than being so consumed with ourselves, we can start to look outside ourselves at the needs of others and things are outside ourselves as their influences, which is what I'm talking about uh, this morning. And we had a couple of weeks ago, David uh, talking to us about the fact that um, we are called, as a follower of Jesus Christ, to learn the need to sacrifice. We're so consumed with comfort, we're so consumed with happiness and the pursuit of happiness, but actually there is a cost to following Jesus. I have told Jen to come and get <laughs> Joel, so hopefully in a moment he will go upstairs. Um, last week I spoke about um, filling up, that we sometimes fill our lives with busyness because when we're busy, people tend to look at us and go, isn't he great? Isn't he so busy? He's so good at doing stuff. And we, and we like that approval. We like that praise. So often we spend our time doing things for God rather than being with God. Because people's praise is easier to hear and take on board sometimes than our Heavenly Father's praise. You're going to go with mummy? No. <laughs> oh it's a difficult morning this morning. It's Father's Day. This is great. This morning, we're going to look at God's truth, not my truth. God's truth, not my truth. As I'm just going to have a straw poll, so just a raise of hands will do. What is your favorite sort of cuisine or takeaway food? You know, if you had a choice of what restaurant you could go to, what would it be? Let's have a hand up for Chinese foods. Okay, we've got a couple of hands. Brilliant. Okay, hands down. Hands up for Indian foods. Okay, okay, hands down. Hands up for Mexican foods. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here's one for my dad. Hands up for English foods. Something normal. Yes. Peas and chips. Quite right. Uh, any uh, any others that I've missed out? You like? No, this is my favourite. Thai foods. Okay, yeah. Got so hands up for Thai. Anything else? KFC. So American food. American food. Cool. Um, when I went to uh, Luton, I was in Luton before I came here. I was introduced to this amazing restaurant in Milton Keynes. I think it was called Red Hot, um, and it was one of these places. I don't know if you've been to an all-you-can-eat buffet. You get like, and you go in and you can just help yourself until you've absolutely stuffed. But this place, rather than just being all you can eat Chinese or all you can eat Indian, it was all you can eat, whatever cuisine you can think of. There was the American section, there was a Chinese section, there was the Indian section, there was a whole section just for ice cream of all the stuff you can put on it. The only problem was is that my stomach wasn't big enough to try everything. See, we don't have to settle for one thing anymore. We can have a bit of what we like from all around the world. We live in a cosmopolitan world. If COVID has shown us anything, it shows us how connected we are. What happened in China within weeks was happening here. We live in a cosmopolitan, connected, internationally society. And therefore, we are hearing not just different types of foods, but different ideas, different thoughts, different religions are having an influence on us as a country. Go back 50, 60, 70 years, you had stuff coming from the Far East starting to come in and having a big influence on the way we thought about life and about spirituality. But in those days, you used to have to go and listen to someone speak, or you used to have to go and read a book 
about something. That's not the case anymore. We are bombarded through social media, through YouTube videos of sound bites of different beliefs and different understandings of the world that try and entice us and say, this is what you need to believe. And we respond by going, you, I like that. Oh, and I like that bit. And I like that bit. A bit like that all-you-can-eat buffet of lots of different cuisines from all over the world. And we can take it and we can fill our plates with foods that would never have normally been together. We have a pick and mix understanding of life and a pick and mix understanding of our spirituality. Now, historically, there was a time called the Renaissance or the um, Reformation, actually, Reformation, where actually science and modern ideas started to replace some of the superstitious superstition that was linked to religious beliefs. We started to study things. We started to unpack things. And that became the guiding light for us as a society. Is it true? Can I study it? Can I measure it? That was what we call modernity, modernism, being a modern society. We're now in a time of what we call postmodern. Well, actually, we no longer look at what is so much true that we can measure, but what is true for me? Used to, I remember um, I was a sixth form tutor for four years at a high school. We used to talk about these things in, um, in certain lessons, and we used to talk about the fact that you know, we have what's called relative moralism. Relative moralism means what's what's right and wrong for me isn't necessarily right or wrong for you because you come from a different society, a different culture. And there is no moral absolute. There's nothing that's absolutely true. Okay, What's true for me isn't necessarily true for you. What's true for you isn't necessarily true for me. And we had this kind of nice kind of feeling about 15 years ago where, you know, I have my truth and you have yours. It's fine what you believe. It's fine what I believe. That's just, you know... Agree to disagree. Unsurprisingly, I think, we have moved on from that. The rather than having this nice idea, well, it doesn't matter what you believe, and it doesn't matter what I believe, we'll just get on with life. Now we've got to the point where we say, no, I'm right, and you're wrong. It's no longer you believe what you want, it's fine. Now it's I'm right, and you are wrong. And we end up with different camps, separation, a war almost. We're having a rise in politics of, 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 of um, political parties that want to stamp down on things they see wrong. We, become, we get more liberal or more conservative. We're widening apart. We see this particularly in American politics. But it's happening all over the world. I'm right. You are wrong. And yet we've still got, I would say, in the majority of us, us who sit in the middle of these two warring camps, most of us are saying, no, it doesn't matter what you believe. Most of the people you come across in the streets, most of the people you work with, most of the people you are friends with will say, well, I've got my, my beliefs. And great, you're a Christian. Great, that's really interesting. But as long as you don't preach at me. Did you ever have that? I used to have that. I don't know if it was an insult. They didn't see it as an insult. They used to say to me, I made it completely clear I was a Christian when I was at work, they used to say, at least you're not like those Christians that ram it down our throats. You know, you just, you just there, you just be, do good things. That's fine. You do what you do, I'll do what I do. And I'm happy with that, but just don't preach to me. Do you, 
Hands up if you had that, someone say that to you. You know, just don't preach to me. I'm happy with what you believe. Just don't preach to me. So how do we deal with these words of Jesus found in John chapter 14, verse 16? This is Jesus talking an intimate moment with his disciples, his close-knit 12 followers. He says these words to them. It's going to appear on the screen. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's just unpack that a bit. So Jesus is saying, firstly, that he's the way, that through his death and resurrection, we would find a way back into a relationship with our heavenly Father, who we've been talking about and worshipping this morning. He says that the truth, he proclaimed and embodied a truth. Black and white, this is true, that is wrong. I am the truth, Jesus says. And he also says, I am the life. In me, you find life and fulfillment in in the now and also in in the life in the next as well. But more than that, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life because he's God. And you're going, well, where in that is he saying that he is God? Well, there's something in John's Gospels called the famous I am statements. Jesus said numerous times, I am the living water. I am the bread of life. I am, he says over and over again, these these phrases, I am. And he's picking up on there the Hebrew name of God, which was Yahweh I am. We get Jesus saying, which in English seems a quite an innocent um, uh, statement, but because he says, I am, the Jewish authorities get to pick up stones to kill him because Jesus was saying, I am God. I am the way, the truth, and the life because I'm not just an ordinary man. I am God's move into the neighborhoods. Then he says these really controversial words to us. No one, not anyone, no exceptions, no one comes to the Father, our Heavenly Father, our God in heaven, except through me. Except through Jesus. I mean, has Jesus not read the memo? That's not how we do things anymore. There is no absolute truths. There is no right and wrong. I believe what I believe You believe what I believe. Don't start preaching to me. There is only one way. There is only one truth. There's only one way to life. Because I want to believe what I want to believe. I want to pick and mix. I want a bit of Eastern religion. I want a bit of this. Most most people want to go to heaven when they die. But they combine it with lots of other things that suit them. Sound bites they've heard about the Bible or about Buddhism, or about New Age, all combined into a pick-and-mix religion of their own choice. What's right for me is wrong. Is, is, what's right for me isn't necessarily right for you. See, I think we have lost the confidence, not only that Jesus is the truth, but that truth exists at all. We are so bombarded 
for years, with the world and society telling us that there is, there is no right and wrong, there is no moral absolute, that we have not only lost the confidence that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, but there is any truth at all. See, Jesus says these words in Matthew chapter 7. Last week, I looked at Matthew chapter 6. I said it was from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus gives some teaching for his disciples, saying, if you're going to follow me, the way, the truth, and the life, these are the things you need to uh, be following. Your righteousness has to be surpassing the righteousness of the Pharisees, who are really just all about living a good life. And after talking about... Um, false prophets and false disciples, Jesus gives this parable. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rocks. And despite the storms, despite the difficulties, despite the issues that hit you in life, Jesus is a rock. If you build your life on him and his teaching, the way, the truth, and the life, whatever hits you in life, you will remain firm and secure. It doesn't say the storms aren't there. But he says, if you build your life on me, then you will stay secure and firm. And he says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose. Same situation, same things coming at them. The winds blew and beat against that house. But in this case, it fell with a great crash. Steve has kindly lent me this. If you've gone on a walking holiday with Steve, you may have seen him use this. This is a compass. And um, where's a compass point? North. So uh, I don't even know how to work this. Uh, is it the red one that points north, Steve? So that one's north. Okay. Um, this points. So, so, um, you can tell I don't use compasses very often. I use GPS. Um, this points to north. In fact, more specifically, it points to magnetic north. Now, keep your attention here. I'm going to give you a little of a science ge geography kind of lesson. The world is a one big magnet. Okay. The whole world is one big magnet. And this points to the top of the world, which is north, and the bottom world, which is south. Magnetic north, magnetic south. Now, did you know that where this points is dependent on where you are in the world? Depending on where you are in the world, there are slight differences in where this will point. It's affected by uh, the magnetic field around you. Okay, So if you're in Outer Mongolia, this will... Uh, be affected slightly different than if you're in here. Also, did you know Magnetic North is moving? It's estimated to move between 34 and 37 miles every year towards Russia. It's becoming Russian, the Magnetic uh, North. It doesn't want to be Canadian anymore. It wants to be Russian. It is moving. Magnetic North is not fixed. It's dependent where you are, and it's dependent on where the actual Magnetic North is moving. There is something called true north. True north. And true north is found not by looking at anything on the earth, not by the magnetic field, not by any influences around us. Any idea how true north is found? Looking at the stars. 
It's looking up above at a star, a fixed point that doesn't alter and doesn't move, at least not for about 25,000 years uh, anyway. So how do we apply that to this? Most of us are living our lives by magnetic north. We're trying to fix on something which is a moving all the time. We're trying to fix ourselves on something which is affected by those things around us. And actually what we need to do is rather than fix on something that is moving, we need to fix ourselves on something that doesn't move. We need to look up, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. Who does not change, who is immovable. See, so many times I'm being bombarded on social media, maybe you're the same, with people telling me, you need to believe this. This is the truth. I'm fed up with, people, with feeling guilty all the time because I don't agree what everyone seems to be telling me. And these aren't just non-Christians. These aren't just non-churchgoers. These are Christians as well. And I'm, going, I'm looking at Jesus. I'm looking at them saying, this doesn't quite fit. This doesn't quite match. Or maybe you're being told the truth is inside of you. You just need to explore who you are and find the truth about yourself. If you, if you know yourself better, you have that fixed point and you have a better life. I don't know about you, but I have discovered in my years on this earth that I am not to be trusted. I am not to be trusted. If I followed everything I thought was good and right and true, I would get myself in a right mess. In fact, I have got myself in a right mess because I've been convinced that I am right. And a lot of it has been shaped by the way I am feeling. And my feelings are not to be trusted. My mind changes depending on my situation, depending on the people around me, depending on my age. Do you know that as humans, our mind changes the most, and you probably won't be surprised about this, between the beginning of puberty and our mid-twenties. Our mind in that period of time, of about 15 years, is constantly changing. And yet we're living in a society where, unfortunately, we, are, we have teenagers who are making life-changing decisions based on how they are feeling at a time when their brain is in complete mess and in flux and constant change. You are not to be trusted. I am not to be trusted because we're so affected by the things and people around us. We're so affected by our feelings, whether we're happy, whether we're sad, whether we're having a good time, whether we're having a difficult time. We need to fix our eyes on something that never changes, something that is firm, something that is secure, something that is immovable, and the only thing we have is Jesus. Next week, Becky is going to preach to us from 1 Peter chapter 2. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter, who writes this letter to a bunch of Christians, says Jesus is our cornerstone. A cornerstone, in case you don't know what it was, was a large, big stone cut square 
and laid out perfectly in line so it was straight that way and straight that way and straight in every which direction. And then from that cornerstone, you would measure the rest of the house. And you'd be constantly referring back to that cornerstone. So, you know, if you did that, your house would also be straight that way and that way and that way. Peter says, us as a church, our cornerstone upon which we build is Jesus. Straight perfect, immovable, never changing, our reference point for life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what we're going to take away from this, well, just a couple of things we come to a close. First one is this. I talked about the fact that we are a world at war. We have people at extremes fighting each other, everyone stuck in the middle, the rules in this, in this world, the world tells us is either you fight or you just kind of don't settle for anything. There is no truth. Don't play by the world's rules. Don't play by the world's rules. We don't have to row through life insecure. We have a firm foundation. That's Jesus. But also, we don't have to end up in two different camps fighting one another. We are called to love to serve, to listen, to learn, and to help people follow Jesus and discover that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Another thing. I talked about the fact that in social media, I'm being bombarded with stuff that just really affects me. And I think for some of you, you need to ask yourself the question, what is the loudest voice in my life? What is having the most influence on me? And ask yourself, is that Jesus? Is that the Bible? God's word for us, living, breathing word that wants to speak to us. Because some of you might need to start shutting out some voices. Start closing your ears to things that are driving you in the wrong direction. And the last thing, I've just said it actually. If you want to know more about Jesus, the firm foundation, the way, the truth, and the life, start by reading the Gospels. If you want a good place to start, I mean, this is a pretty dense book. There's a lot here. It's like, oh, let's start reading the prophets. Oh, my goodness me. Look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four accounts of the life, the ministry of Jesus, the way he embodied and proclaimed truth. If you want to know what the truth is, start there. As a church, we want to proclaim that truth. We want to help you guys to follow Jesus, to learn about him, ask questions, explore, read with us, join a home group. This is what we exist for, to help you guys find the way, the truth, and the life. Because no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. In a moment, we're going to sing together, which is a song that picks up some of the themes of this. Also, we're going to be um, sharing uh, communion together. Communion is a time when we remember the last meal that Jesus had with his disciples before he went to the cross. And Jesus talks about the fact that um, his body was going to be broken 
for us. And his blood was going to be shed for us so that he, we can have a way to our Heavenly Father. And we're going to be sharing that together. And anyone, wherever they are on their faith journey, if you are trying to follow Jesus, you're welcome to join us uh, in this meal. But before we do that, we're just going to reflect on some questions together. What shapes what you believe? What are the loudest and most influential voices in your life? Have you lost confidence that truth exists? Do you believe that you will be better prepared for the rigours of life if you build on Jesus and his teachings? Which voices do you need to shut out or turn down?